This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson. What's up, folks? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Super stoked. I think this is going to be a long show. Kane DeWild is back on, so I'm going to do no intro. We're going to get right on the episode. What's up, Kane? Hey, how's it going? Good. It's been man. a while. We've been talking about doing this for at least six months. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited to be, to be back on. Um, fan favorite, the professor in the house. <laughs> How you been? What's up? I've been, I've been great. I've learned a lot since last time I was on testing a ridiculous amount of foils and further pursuing just, I don't know, learning about how everything works and how I can improve and how I can help others improve their setups as well. What does that process look like when Kane DeWild is learning and you said process there? What is your process? How, how are you approaching learning? What are you trying to so, explain it? A lot of it is recently has been looking at other people ride and putting, putting other people on different foils because I have a pretty good idea of what I feel, right? But I'm at a, I'm at a different level than a lot of uh, people around me and a lot of people I know that are improving a lot. So yeah, I've been kind of using people as guinea pigs recently and putting them on this wing and listening to their comparisons and seeing how they line up with my comparisons and with someone else's comparisons. And that gives me just a wider pool of feedback and I guess of like references to compare to like simulation results of wings. What are you finding from the different riders that you're putting on different gear? Is there signal coming out? Do people know what they like and what is feeling good? Or, or are we somewhat confused about how... There, there, there's a little bit of confusion, but actually the majority of people like really similar things. And especially winging, it's pretty crazy how consistent stuff like that is. Where if someone... If I like setup, I can put someone on the same setup and they'll like it. And another person will also like that setup. And if I, I just yesterday I, I tested uh, the Axis nine nine nine, the Onafoil one hundred and fifty, different boards, different sales. But we looked at GPS results, we looked at general feedback, we tuned them up a little bit, and between three people, all of our general thoughts and feedback on, between the foils was exactly the same. And we're all, and everybody is different levels of uh, of rider, and yeah, using totally different gear. So it's pretty interesting. That kind of thing. And, and then on like the, the data side, like GPS results, I found immediately reflect any changes in gear. So you can instantly see changes in the peak speeds and changes in the average speed. And it's at least winging, it's incredibly consistent. So that's been a huge tool for developing my gear. Gotcha. What are the feels? What, what are the commonalities and what people are looking for in the feel of a foil? A lot of people are looking for basically obviously the most efficient wing possible and a very even consistent foot pressure across the speed range. A lot of people tend to like stiffness in the foil. I've noticed people have good feedback on stiffer foils. They feel like they can push it harder. They feel like, yeah, it, it, it makes their, it makes the riding up just a lot, a lot easier. And people like to turn prone foilers more so and wing foilers less so. So it's, it's been interesting because you think, Oh, you know, you put them on this tiny surf wing that can still that they can still get up on, and they'll love it because they can turn super hard. But some people actually, I realize some people don't actually want 
or need to turn that hard. They can turn plenty hard on a, on a wider wing mm-hmm. and prefer the efficiency they get out of it. And similar with prone, if you look at how many people are loving like the 925 on prone, don't get me wrong, that, that wing turns insane. But something like the 1050 will let you do more on the wave. But just because of, of that extra speed and efficiency, you're having a lot more fun on the 925. That makes sense. When you are actually, how much do you take into account what someone says about how a foil feels and what you can see them doing? I know that when I break down clips, I listen or I, I trust what I see on video from someone much more than what they tell me about how something feels. You feel the same? Um, yeah, I trust what I see with people, mm-hmm. but. I, I definitely trust their feedback because what they're feeling is not is totally valid, right? They're, they're, it, generally, what people feel you, it can be translated to what's going on in the foil. It's just a matter of breaking it, breaking down what they're feeling, and figuring out how to, how to translate that into relating to like what I feel, or figuring out oh they're feeling this because they're. Uh, riding in this speed range or there are these conditions or that's at least variable. So that, that, yeah, that's also been really interesting. And I love talking to people who can further break that down and kind of pick apart their own feeling like, mm-hmm. Oh, this does this in this situation. And yeah. That's been really interesting. I've been talking to uh, Dominic Hoskins, shout out, check him out on YouTube a lot. He's a science teacher since he can give really detailed breakdowns of stuff. And he tests a lot of relevant foil gear for most people. You know, he's on a lot of the high aspect wings, flat water pumping, that kind of thing, winging. So low power. And that's been really interesting trying to figure out, you know, what we feel and trying to translate like, oh, what does this wing do compared to this wing? And neither, <laughs> neither of us have tried it. Do you think that we're going to see a bifurcation in the market between specific wing foils and specific surf foils or do you think there's always going to be some overlap there how specific are we going to get i think there will be a little bit more separation or there will be some more separation in the future partly because the boards the wing foil boards are getting i've noticed a lot more brands going to you know flat out the back tails and simpler bottom shapes which in all my experience get up a lot easier and let you get up a small foil with less energy so that would let foilers push the stall speed higher and pushing the stall speed higher will boost your efficiency a lot. We're prone foilers because you have so you, you have less power and your you, you know, your average speed is lower. You really need that, like that low range, that bottom end for pumping and then drive through turns. So I can see uh, wing designs being split by, by stall speed and by, by where their peak efficiencies are. What foils are you loving right now in the market? I had a lot of people we posted on Instagram going into the show, mm-hmm. getting questions. And there were a few that were in the same thing. Like, what are the three best foils on the market right now and why? Stuff like that. So what are you loving out in the broader market apart from what you're designing, which I'm sure is good? Yeah. There's a lot of good... Like Lift 120, unbelievable. Or even better things with the adapter when people start messing with tails. And I tried 925, 1125. Those are pretty amazing. They're probably the most efficient foils on the market right now, but I tend to like a, a different tune on them than most Armstrong riders. For example, on the 1125, I winged it. 
I really like the 70 fuselage of 232. I'm sure in the surf, the 60 in V-tail would probably be nice, but I definitely wouldn't want to use a positive shim on the But man, those wings are pretty incredible. I, I was kind of blown away by how they got, uh, how, how they turned for their wingspan. Um, that, was, that was pretty incredible. Yeah, Lift 120. Those, ooh, what else is really good? This is really good. Those are the two lines of foils that I've got on recently and was like, oh, this is proper. This is like, this is really well done. Yeah. I've let um, a lot of folks borrow my 120 over the last week and everyone's kind of mind blown. And I just got the adapter. And actually, right before our conversation right now, I just wrote it for the first time and <laughs> it's 20 to 30%. I like it so much. I mean, it's always been a good foil. I'd never liked the balance. I, I, to be honest, I'd never liked the balance on really any lift foils. They're all too back footed for me. I like being able to shim up and get that front foot feel where you can really crank in turns. And mm-hmm. I've never had that feeling on lift was the base plate shim gives you some of that, but being able to set angle of attack of your tail changed the whole thing. It's, I mean, I, I can't wait to, to have this week of, of testing it out. As far as I can tell, I could be wrong about this, but part of that tuning comes from testing on the foil. I've also noticed a lot of foils. Uh, you can kind of figure out how it was tested. And who tested it or, or find correlations uh, mm-hmm. based on how they ride. For example, I don't know if I've talked about this on here before, but like the go foil, go you can really feel the wide, like you can feel the influence of Alex and Dave on the testing. They both use wide stances and those wings and their ma- the mass placement on those wings tuning tends to work really well with a wider stance versus the signature stuff with Nathan doing a lot of testing tends to work really well with skinny stance mm-hmm. and lighter weight rider. And so from my experience, I've, I've, you know, I've put a couple of my wings on e-foils before I've done quite a bit of e-foil riding and testing with different wings and tunings. You tend to run or you, you can run a, a lot less tailwing angle on an e-foil because you have the motor pushing you from down there. So it could be the lift foils tuning could be a factor or compromise. Uh, between you know surf tuning and efoil tuning what i don't understand though is not having the option to tune a tail mm-hmm. when it's so critical because i I, tune, I change shim angle for different wave conditions and what i want to do yeah so, i agree um i'm a really big fan of being able to mess with your back wing because it makes such a big difference in the feel of, of the ride and i kind of you know a lot of people you can find one back wing you like and you can get a, a consistent feel across a lot of different foils with that same tail wing. Yeah. I'm, I'm loving your 13.5 slim or whatever you've called it. Yeah. Is it just a new 13.5? Yeah. They're all slim now. Yeah. Yeah. That thing's good. That thing's Sweet. really good. Sweet. Yeah. I think you'll like, he's got an 11.5 coming. I think you'll like that. Yeah. I, I can't wait to feel it. I feel like I'm the last guy to get it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you'll love it, especially. I mean, I can't imagine that thing on like the lift adapter with 150. Yeah, I have that must feel incredible. I just chopped the 38 lift tail down to an 11. And yeah. that's a really fun feel on the 150. But I can't wait to feel it with some smaller tails. It, I mean, what it just did yeah. with the 120 and it lit it up. The, the 150 could be all time. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. And it, it's amazing. That tail turned out really well. Super thankful to Elliot LeBeau, my uncle, and Adam Bennett for giving so much feedback on that thing they're pretty key in developing it and yeah 
I've noticed if I develop stuff by myself, I can, I can only go so far. And then the next step is, you know, bringing it to people, other, to bringing it out to other people and hearing their feedback on it. And I've learned a lot, especially from, from Adam, because the unifoil tuning is so much different from what like a uh, signature or from what my foils are tuned or like what a or Takuma, which I've I'll tested my, my tails on too. Uh, some of the prototypes I've made him that work insane over here just don't work on his, on his setup at all. So it's been a, a journey trying to figure out why. He likes a lot of shim too. He likes a lot of front foot and you can see it in his surfing, which is cool. So what else is new, Kane? I know that your mind's always spinning. What are you <laughs> most excited about in our sport right now? Shoot. I'm most excited about, I don't know. Right now, I'm really most excited about wing design and figuring out what's going on with current wings and using that as references for my own design, like benchmarks. And yeah, that's been really fun lately and and exploring, you know, tuning differences with other people. So the, the last probably month or two, I've been on that. I'm, I'm excited for winter again. It's been too long. <laughs> I, it happens every year, but... I'm really itching for for another North Swell with all the new gear I've got on over the summer. I think this winter is going to be incredible. You know, getting winging into some bigger waves is going to be going to be crazy. What's your plan for that? I don't know. Actually, just go out there, just <laughs> wait for some wind, wait for some wave, take a take a small foil, and see what happens. I think I'll learn even more about about tuning stuff in the surf, tuning stuff for high speed in the winter. Anyways, so some of my biggest progress has always been. Yeah, in those waves or on the smaller days where when we go toe foil, it's it's that's also super interesting because you know you go toe foil with two other people and you all ride the same setup and it's the same thing. You're like crowdsourcing feedback and you can instantly change shims and tails and stuff and figure out what we all like best. So yeah, I'm very into the design side of things. As far as the riding side. I want to nail some maneuvers winging, some flips, some 360s. Tituan, when Tituan was over here, he helped me with that. He gave me some good advice on the 360s and the flips, but I'm still having a hard time uh, landing them. I think I just need to start riding a, a longer mast. I'm, I've been on a 75 for a long time. It works amazing surfing and downwind, but from what I can tell, you need a lot of pop from the foil. It, at least how Tituan does it, most of his pop for the 360s and the flips comes from the foil. And so I've been using the wing for my pop for a while. And so that getting on some longer masks is going to help with that. Toby just said the same thing. He rides the 85 when he's throwing those backflips because he gets more. Yeah. yeah. It makes a huge difference. Actually, you know, it's something interesting. I, we found, we found yesterday testing between a bunch of different foils. You need to run a sig. You need to run way like the tailwing needs to do so much more work on a long mast. It's pretty incredible. Um, to the leverage. The because of the leverage, yeah, man, going from a, I, I tuned the Ono foil 150 on 75 centimeter mast. Uh, that's what my dad's been riding, and you know, I had we had like this perfect tune on it. The tailing angle was was awesome. The tailing shape was great, and then we went to the 90 centimeter mast, and suddenly, oh, the thing's diving like crazy. We had to go from a 13 inch tail to a 15 and a half inch tail with one de uh, half degree shim from Ortlip. 
It's a big difference. When before that same tail on the 75 centimeter mast, I was shimming one degree for less. So there's a 1.5 degree difference between the, on the same tail, same front wing between the 75 and 90 centimeter mast. And that's a fast foil. And something else I've been playing with a lot is different fuse lengths. And I find the same thing. The difference in leverage between a shorter or longer fuse is crazy. means a very different angle of attack for my tail to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I was so surprised by the, by the mast, but now it makes sense. Like 75 mast is actually a great option for going fast because <laughs> you can tune the tail so much flatter and it's so much less drag. So as long as you, as long as you can control the height, it's a, it's a great option. Have you seen makes- Yahi's last videos that he's posted? Kayahi? Oh yeah. That, those were incredible. So do you remember when a few months ago we were talking about like the secret to your surfing mm-hmm. and the flying the wing. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the only other guy I've seen do it now. I feel like that might be a fun conversation to yeah. talk about how you see flying the wing versus surfing the wing. And because I spent a lot of time learning how to do that and I've incorporated mm-hmm. certain parts of it into my surfing now, and it's incredibly powerful. And then to see Kiahi come out and we haven't seen a video of him in, in a while. And Forever. Yeah. It was incredible how much his style now looks like yours. So he's uh-huh. landing on the same things that you're landing on. So, yeah, I don't know. You you have a better breakdown of, of my style than I do. So <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear your opinion on it, your thoughts. So so what I see in your surfing and Kane and I've kind of had an ongoing conversation about this over the last few months because I was breaking down some stuff and and kind of figured out the secret. And Pedigo does it to a small extent. Adam Bennett mm-hmm. does it to a small extent on the bottom turn, but no one's doing it off the top. And there's going to be a, a big secret in here that kind of, is it okay to talk about this? Are you? Of course it is. Yeah. 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 Um, it's the secret to cane surfing. And the secret to cane surfing is that everyone starts with the frame of reference on foil of a surfboard where you and your board are working together and the you're the center of gravity of the unit of you and your surfboard and all turns originate from you leaning in using the surfboard in the same direction. And what happens when you watch Kane surfing, Mike Pettigo's bottom turns, Adam Bennett's at times is that, and I do it a lot now, is that the turn is initiating its flying the wing farther outside. So when, so if you're thinking from a, a surf and actually foil wizard does this every once in a while between like a backside bottom turn and top turn, which is pretty cool. But, and this is hard to articulate, but the, you fly the foil outside to increase bank angle before you load. So in a surfing frame, you would start to lean in the turn would start to slowly load up. And then you're at peak turning, rate, highest bank angle, say 35, 40% into the turn. And then that's where the turn really hooks. But there's that delay of rolling it into the turn. And what Kane, I think was the first to do is to send the foil with your ankles wide. So your body's leaning into the turn, but you're sending the foil wide. And then as your body gets to the angle that you want for the turn, you then use your ankles to load it. And so instead of using any space, loading the turn in, as soon as you hit the pressure on your toes and you know, front side bottom turn, you're fully loaded at your highest bank angle. 
And so you can be in the turn for much less time. It's a much more critical turn. And then going from bottom turn to top turn, you're unweighting early and you're doing the exact same thing on the top where you're then sending the foil without any weight on it, almost behind you to the lip and then loading fully banked in. And it's why you have in my, from like breaking this down and modeling this for a good bit of time with a bunch of video, what I've found is that you're pretty straight up when you surf. So is Kiahi now. And the reason is because you're loading so hard on the foil that when you have your legs bent, it's really hard to hold the amount of, of G forces in those turns. So you end up being more straight up. It doesn't look as surfy, like say in the foil wizard style of being low and, and beautiful surf mechanics, but you're actually carving much more critical, tighter lines because you're fully banked faster and fully loaded and fully loaded banked and loaded. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have a, I have an interesting way to explain it too. Yeah, um, pretty bad. I apologize, but it's hard to explain. Yeah, that was good prep because as you were talking, I thought of maybe explaining it. Maybe it's just my style. On a surfboard, I feel like you tend to pivot on your body center of gravity, right? Your body wants to pivot around your hips. So on a surfboard, you bottom turn and your surfboard... This is this would be easier to explain with me. Your surfboard flies out from under you as you rotate on your hips right in a similar way to the to the foil but just be how do i explain it do you want to hop on an instagram live while we record this and then we can link to the instagram live and i can just edit this so you can show it i'll make a youtube video on this <laughs> we can make a youtube video on this okay. that might be the easiest way to explain it we'll, we'll try to do it now and then we'll figure out another way to do it and yeah we can share some of your videos but so, so a, a lot of it if you watch really good surfers they their hips stay, their hips don't move up and down on the wave very much. And they also don't move side to side, in and out, like closer to the face and away from the face very much, especially on smaller waves. You know, they tend to keep their hips in the same place, pivot off, fly their board out on the bottom turn, yep. and then fly their board up on the top turn, right? And their hips don't move in space, I guess, if that makes sense. So that their moment, they, they keep that momentum by, by not moving their weight so much. It's similar on the foil. You just have a lot more under you to move. Gravity is lower in a way. Yeah. But there's also, you know, you, you have to, you don't have to just move the board. You have to move like three feet of mass. Yep. Right. So there's this huge lever and it's got to move a lot. And so instead of, it, it's just a matter of where the pivot point is. Um, foiling the pivot point, maybe upper thigh, upper legs or something. Right. And so, I guess in, in, think about pivoting off of the wing and your body moving versus pivoting off your hips and the foil moving. The big and shift in understanding for me, Kane, was yeah. when I realized that I could move the board independently of my of energy. your body. Um, I realized that, and then I started thinking about the the board is a tool, the foil is a tool, the board is a tool to get me where I want to go. Yeah, and for the turn I might want to do, I might want it much wider. Just to initiate the okay. turn. And then you can use ankles. I, I think I may mostly use my ankles to do this now to send yeah. the foil where I want it. Yes. And it's, okay. it's like thinking about yourself and your foil as two different. Uh -huh. entities, okay. And part, so, so foils have a really significant yaw, like pivot and roll link, right? Because that mass is there. If you 
think if you think about a, a, a mast as a wing, right? Mm-hmm. And your board as a pivot point. If you, if you point your board to the right, your mast will fly out to the right. Point your board to the left, the mast will fly out to the left, right? And so that loop, it's hard to see. If you, if you slow my videos down, you can kind of see it. But I kind of, as I initiate the turn, I kind of push the nose out a little bit. And that flies the foil out from under me through that roll, yaw link. Yep. And push and then fly it out and pivot again. But yeah, you can use the mast. Yeah. And that's what it feels like too. It's pretty easy once you get it. But a disclaimer I should say is that as you are learning this, it's Taco City. (laughs) On the mast and you go to dive in and things aren't lined up right. And (laughs) I had a few days of lots of tacos. And it's actually a little harder backside than frontside. But then once you get it, backside isn't that bad. And then here, here, here's something weird. I've noticed also in the last couple of days, I've been, te- I tested a few different masts on the same wing set. And the main difference between the masts was their foil section. Mast foil section makes, makes a difference in your turning. It's crazy. So you, you can feel the amount of lift that mast makes when you fly the foil out. And it, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I, what do you like? What feel the current, the, the current like? mast foil section is really good. What what most companies use is the Epler eight three six. Okay, we're very close to it. Yeah, that that felt the best. Probably it has it doesn't ventilate easily and it has it has fairly low lift. Something like the NACA zero zero nine, which is a bit fatter section, doesn't have any. But that one, the mass, the, it seems like the mass makes lift a lot more easily, or is somehow more re, more immediately more immediate lift. And it kind of works at really low speed, but at high speed, it's hard. To, it can be hard to bank foil over, or maybe it doesn't make enough lift. Something, but I thought it was an interesting comparison. But yeah, the current master. How much does having a sushi cutting edge on the back of your mast make inefficiency? Is there a reason that we shouldn't be sanding down like the Takuma mast? I mean, I'm terrified of it. I've sanded mine. <laughs> what are we talking about inefficiency? If you detune or retune your gear, um, how much are we gonna I'm not, lose? I'm not really sure what the what like what the numbers would say, how much you would gain on on a mast by sanding it down. I'd say it's probably fine. I mean, you want I think a, a one millimeter ish trailing edge is perfectly acceptable on a mast and on wings, just for safety's sake. Yeah. Um, what I have noticed, and I kind of found this out as I was desperate, desperately like, like I, I had to get a new mast one day and I was like sanding down and I didn't have high grit sandpaper. Right. I only had like 320, and that won't leave a super a great finish on the mast. So I thought why I have some car wax. Why not wax the mast? Why not wax my wings? I gained a mile an hour downwind in average speed. That's insane. I don't know why. And that, and that was over. That was, I mean, that was, it's probably the mass that made the difference. I also did the wings. So I, I do have to test just the mast, but I think it's because it just makes a, a very nice, smooth surface. I don't think it has to do with, it might not have to do with, you know, how hydrophobic it is, but what about it's probably just because it helps keep laminar flow over the mast. So you, I bet you, you could get it through, you know, sanding to a super high grit. Or just throw some car wax on. Car wax isn't permanent, so it will come off after a few sessions. But I was pretty amazed by the difference in speed it made. How can you 
how can you have that test though? Because you can't test in ideal conditions both times sessions. It was on a downwind sup run. So yeah, conditions were, were off. Okay. But it was on the same wing set, same board, same everything. I had consistently been running like 16 mile an hour averages, 16 and a half mile an hour averages across a pretty good range of conditions. So I was in a, within a half mile an hour. And then after waxing the car waxing the mast and wings, I was getting 17, 17. That's uh that's moving. And at mile an hour. That's, that's moving. Yeah. Mile an hour average. I'd have to go look at that and, and figure it out. I, I, I don't remember if the, what, if the peak speeds were different, but yeah, the only explanation I can see is that it helps preserve laminar flow over the front section of the far, farther over the surface of the mast. Obviously it trips to turbulent at some point, especially if you're doing high speed, but it seems to, to make a big difference because there's a lot of friction drag at that speed, right? Yeah. And so any little gain in laminar flows is big. Let's dive into some questions because there's points here that I wanted to hit anyways, and uh -huh. I can start going through them. First up from Alexander, talk about the V-tail. Yeah. What do you think of the V-tail? It's pretty sweet. I've been messing with, with some V-tails myself. Credit, full credit to Armstrong for making that a thing. I had some ideas back in like 2018, but I, I never thought of even making one until I saw that Armstrong did it and it worked. And it's been, it's so different from how a normal tail works. And theirs is a little different than mine, but in some ways, I don't know, in some ways the V-tail is better and in some ways it's worse. The, the way I did mine specifically, it, it, it really helps with pumping and really helps with stall speed on a wing. So that was kind of a breakthrough in downwinding because I could run a front wing size smaller than I usually would. And it's the same thing. With any low, I notice any anywhere where your power is limited, you can. I've, I've tended to be able to run one size smaller front wing than I usually would with that V tail. If you don't change the front wing size, my V tail has more drag than than my non V tail. I'll have to mess with cord length and stuff and foil sections because it, I could probably negate that. But yeah, there's a huge difference in low end lift and pumping. Do you, do you like the way that they surf? I've had a hard time surf. I feel like they lock me into turns and then it actually makes the foil feel more high aspect. I like foils that roll over really quickly from rail to rail or whatever you want to call it. And mm -hmm. I find that the V-tail delays that. And so that's what's held. Yeah. I like the way they pump. I think they pump great. I kind of agree with you. Yeah. They have a really interesting like load and pop thing, right? And so there's between turns when you unload and load, I notice a little bit of delay. That's what I notice while you unload it and load it. But there's something about, there's something about coming out of a hard turn with the V-tail and getting that like snap. It, 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 it somehow it gives you like a little bit of snap out of the turn, mm -hmm. a little bit of flare and a little bit of an extra boost in speed. And if you get the setup just right and you spend some time on it, you can use that snap to transition really quickly. I prefer the V-tail in, in small waves. I found in big waves or faster, faster conditions, it doesn't give me the consistency I need. If I had to explain it, the, a straight stiff tail feels like something you're pushing against. It feels like you're riding something, right? You're riding the stable platform 
like to punch. Like, I like that feeling of trusting what's underneath me. Yes. The V-tail turns it into, there's no resistance in pitch. Like it's not unstable in pitch and it doesn't like the balance isn't weird, but it literally just follows where your feet go in pitch. And I prefer having some at high speed. I prefer having something to push against for sure. But I don't know. It's an interesting feel. And I, I run it every once in a while just because it's really fun. <laughs> I might just need more time on it. I've never spent, you know, multiple sessions in a row on one. Yeah. There's yeah. also a lot of variation between, you know, what you can do with a V-tail. Like on a normal tail, you have, you know, your wingspan and your foil section. And on some, maybe you have some twist or something else, and hedral going on. But with the V-tail, you also have flex. And that brings a whole new, you know, thing into the equation of like, so how do I tune the flex of this thing? Right. That's not easy. I, I made a bunch of tails for a while and I was, I made one that was just a magic tail, this flexy tail. I love yeah. it. And went to recreate it. I could never get it again. I really? Don't know, I don't remember what the layup I used was. It was a mix of carbon and, and fiberglass. Yeah. And I could never get that same feel of the tail again. They all looked wow. the same, but the one was just light years better than the others. Yeah. That's what I like about, you know, CNC milled G10 stuff. Yep. The materials is almost perfectly consistent. So I know what, especially with my V-tail, whatever I make, whatever I feel is exactly the same as what someone else is going to feel on it. You know, there's no, there's not going to be any layup difference or also, you know, Dennis Pardon on Maui, he makes them tectonics Maui. He's very, he's kind of a perfectionist comes at a price, but he makes them incredibly well. And because the surface accuracy is really high. So yeah, I got to mess with the V-tail more. I, I think this winter it'll happen. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, let's stay on the tail thread. Yep. And Andre Philippe asks, explain the difference between what tail wings do, pitch, size, et cetera, and the feels that equate to them. And this would be a good way for you to, you know, hype your tails, but we can mm -hmm. extrapolate that through you know, I'm freaking on the new Takuma 178 with the tubercles. I really like that tail. It's great. Yep. Flat tails, down curved tails. Maybe you could talk about the feels of tails and help people, you know, their tails are expensive. If you can only, they are. you can't test everything. So, you know, when are you riding what tail and why? Tails are really, it, it sounds weird. Tails are more sensitive to the mass position relative to the front wing than they are to the actual front wing, the front wing size and the drag and stuff, you, you can compensate for that with size and angle, but it's really tr the, the hardest part is matching your tail wing size to your mast to front wing distance. And that also relates to the camber in the airfoil section of the tail and also the anhedral in the tail, something like a, a unifoil or a signature game changer or general signature foils will want a higher camp or more asymmetric tail wing design versus something like a Takuma or Gofo or Axis with that mast far back can run something way more symmetrical, way less camber, way more symmetrical on both sides. You can run something more symmetrical on like a unifoil, but then you need a lot of anhedral, a lot of yaw stabilization to make it work. And it's because it changes the center of lift forward and backwards. And so it's important to tune the center of lift to the mast placement to get a proper feel. Generally, tails with more camber, more asymmetric, are more consistent 
across a range of foils. So like my 13 inch and 13, five inch are, are really high camber. And those tails work on anything, but as, as when you push the camber lower, you run into them not working very well on, you know, some foils with farther forward mass placements, I guess. So yeah, that's been interesting exploring that. And that, that's something Adam Bennett's feedback taught me. Yeah. When would you ride your 11 blunt versus your 13? The 13 is yeah. definitely faster on the top end. I would run my, I run my 13 winging. I run it downwind. I run the 11, five surfing towing mostly in waves that, that short wingspan and fat cord, it'll help. It'll give you a lower stall speed. It'll give you the tails more there when you pump and you don't sacrifice any of the stability for over the 13 inch. You only sacrifice top end speed. It's also safer. So freestyle, I would choose 11.5 <laughs> because of the tips. It's safer because the tips are super yep. fat. Yep. That was the original idea for it. it was, yeah. People were like, I want, you know, let's, let's try something safer. Elliot was like, I want something I can learn flips on 360s. So I'm like, let's make something fat. <laughs> and it actually worked really well. That's uh I chopped the tips off of my Takuma, both yeah. of them, you know, 980 and 1210. Yeah. And I don't notice a difference in efficiency. What I noticed though is I'm much more willing to send it on that. <laughs> I mean, psychologically. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Efficiency is one thing, but if, if you can't push on it or you're too, you're scared of it, it's gonna also uh hurt your performance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, what was funny is because after I mentioned how sharp they were, everyone mm -hmm. started sending me uh, videos or photos of all the injuries from that foil. Oh my so God. I started getting more and more scared of it and then finally yeah. decided to chop it. But a lot of people have chopped it now and everybody's had really positive feedback. It rolls quicker. They like yeah. can turn harder. Oh, uh, and the foils I like. The Takuma stuff, I haven't tried enough of it, but it has its oh, it has a place in the general foiling. I, I don't know how to explain it. You know, each foil design kind of sits in its own place. You know, it does this well and does this well, and it sits in this place, right? And the Lift One Twenty and say Armstrong Nine Twenty Five are, are sitting in almost the same place. Yep. The Kajiras kind of sit on their own. They sacrifice a lot of top end speed for so much bottom end, so much turning. It's it's crazy. It's really, and it's really cool how they, how they did it. The tubercules, I, I actually think are, it is, I took out the 1210 a couple of days ago. I just put a video up today. Yeah. It's like a one foot day and I just pump around for a few minutes and yeah, you just glide on it. It's got so much lift. You can just stand there from the middle of your board or you can crank turns on it and get super far out the back. Cause it's so efficient. Your cardio is not maxing out. Yeah. Uh, as an all around wing, I will always have one. Yeah, what what I've noticed from watching GPS of a lot of wingers is they tend and, and comparing that to what's it called like simulation results, they tend to sit right at the peak efficiency of their front wing. Right, if given enough power, riders tend to average their peak peak efficiency of the wing, like the speed that happens, right? And so, like the nine twenty five. I think that peak of it, that peak efficiency happens, for example, at a, at a slightly higher speed than the lift 120. And as I, as far as I've been able to figure out from people's feedback, it seems like the Kajira's on the Kajira, that peak efficiency happens at a really low speed, relatively. That makes sense. And 
like a bigger wing peak efficiency does. And I think in really low power situations like small waves or, or pumping, you don't have energy to reach those higher peak efficiencies. So you're left on the upslope of it, right? Versus uh, the Kajira, you can easily sit in that peak efficiency and the foil's happy. Okay. That's how it feels. It's like the 120 in small surf. Mm-hmm. You really have to keep it working. Yeah, you're on that upslope constantly. Yep. Yeah. You, yeah. You have to keep putting in a lot of energy to keep the speed it needs. And yeah. The distance. I was thinking about this. This is actually kind of an interesting thought. Uh-huh. There's two ways to look at efficiency. There is. Oh, this is good. Like yeah. So, cardio time per cardio, like the amount yeah. of cardio and time, and then distance. Yeah. Per time or cardio, it's kind of the same thing. And like the 120 sits at the peak of distance per time per cardio. Yeah. You know, you can cover just an insane amount of ground really mm-hmm. easily, but you're going to have a higher heart rate while you do it. And you can't yeah. sustain it for quite as long. Yeah. Um, and now you can play with tails and get it a little bit more efficient, but at 185 pounds, it's not like breezy. The 1210 sits at uh-huh. peak efficiency for cardio for time. So yeah. you're you're able to just stay on that foil forever. You can kind of just pump around out the back and wait for a set to come. And on the 120, you have to see it and you can hunt it down two blocks down the beach. Okay. So here, pilots, anyone who will, this will make so much sense. So it's minimum sink rate versus uh, minimum glide or sorry, maximum sink or minimum sink rate versus maximum glide ratio. The difference in the two. So if you do any research into airplane, minimum sink, maximum glide ratio, or water ballast and gliders there is a speed in any plane where you have the minimum sink rate right you're sinking so many feet or meters per second okay right and it's at a different speed than the minimum glide ratio where you're you're sinking you know say one foot for every 30 feet right i'm probably butchering the explanation but that minimum sink rate happens at a way lower speed than the minimum. Oh, that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's interesting because that's how I pick between the two. Mm-hmm. You know, based like if it's a day where the sets are real inconsistent, mm-hmm. I probably don't want to be necessarily on the 120. Yeah. You might not have a place to get to, but on the 1210, you can kind of just cruise around and ride such small energy. And, and if you've got to pump for a minute, you can pump for a minute on it. Yeah. So what's interesting is more weight or a relatively, yeah, a relatively uh, shorter cord wing will increase your glide ratio, right? So you'll go longer for the same, you'll go farther for the same energy with, uh, for a heavier person. For a lighter person on the same wing, you will stay up, your minimum sink rate decreases. So you'll stay up longer for the same energy. And I think the sink rate is at lower total energy because you don't have fuselage drag because it happens at a lower speed. So yeah, that's interesting. That's super cool. So that's why when Damo hops on my foils, mm-hmm. he can just stay up super easily, but he can't go fast. Yeah. And so I actually think the minimum sink rate is very important for pumping, right? Because it, it, it kind of is a, is a signal of a low end capability of a foil. And when you pump, you're, you're dipping way down into that low end, sometimes all the way down to the stall speed. 
And so having something there, having that minimum sync rate there, or having a good minimum sync rate seems to correlate with good. Rain is trying to process this cane. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. All right. I'm looking through some questions right now. How wide are your prone boards? What do you ride these days? 18, 18 to 19 inches. 18 and three quarters. Yeah, I, I like 18 to 19 inches just because the extra clearance it gives. I probably wouldn't go any skinnier than that because my feet are too wide to get the right outline. Like I'd have to pull the tail in more and then you end up with, and you'd end up, you'd lose, I don't know, for, for winging, I actually like wider boards because it, it gives you higher aspect board kind of. It gives you a lot more area and lift to get the thing out of the water. Have you started going to wider noses? I've done that recently. Yeah, yeah. Wider noses seem to help a lot with that low end lift. But I, 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 I don't know. I'm on skinny noses right now. But I, you know, testing like the Armstrong wing boards and stuff. Those seem to those seem to get out of the water pretty easily because they have that wide nose. For downwind, it's a totally different story. Yeah, downwind's different. Super narrow light. Super narrow point pointy nose. Just because downwind is downwind, you're trying to minimize the the drag spike between displacement and planing. So that, that needs a different shape where like, like uh, on a wing prone board or a wing, low volume wing board, you want maximum lift while you're still stuck in the water. And then once you're out of the water, you have plenty of power to go and lift to go. So you can get away with a, a real fat shape works better. But yeah, I've been thinking of making it up for winging. That's like 45 liters versus my usual 30, 35. Um, and a little wider nose, just so like this winter, I don't get stuck inside. What about <laughs> stuck inside waves? What? Uh, what about prone surfing boards? Yeah, prone surfing skinny and and kind of long. Mm -hmm. I've been liking four eight. The bottom's really important surfing. It's less so because I don't know why. I guess if you're really redirecting water surfing versus winging. You're kind of just glancing off of it. Yeah. I like flat bottoms surfing flat or light single concave and having enough area in the bottom to, to really do some work. But my current prone board is very dome, like bellied. And it, when you touch down, doesn't redirect water. And my original thought was that I would touch down and the board would just kind of, I would still be riding foil, but it didn't really work. You actually want the board to do some work. So, yeah. I agree. I've gone to, I love the JS Black Eagle. Like mm -hmm. I surf, like it doesn't skip. I've said this on the podcast a bunch of times. It doesn't skip like when you're pumping and you hit. So you really have to be careful about your altitude and pumping and, and not okay. touch because it's like a break. But outside of that, I love having more swing weight. It's a heavier board. And yeah. I've started to really enjoy swing weight. I, I, for a long time in like my designs, I've tried to get things as light as possible with as little as swing weight. I yeah. like that for like shore runners. But in the surf, I like something that has inertia that I can push off of. Yeah. And I really like now, like the nose on that JS is so good for when you're smashing foam, you've got some surface area there to use the yeah. board and the rails work well. And I just um, got four, four and I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. What I've noticed is, I don't know, actually, I, I have to try a shorter, heavier board again, but if you just go longer, you get that, like you get that extra length to, to bang off foam. Yep. And that extra stability. And you also get that little bit of extra weight, that swing weight that can, it seems like it helps you enter turns. I feel like I can trust it going back to the whole tail thing and, and setup. Mm -hmm. I like having something where I have, I know where the input is starting. 
Yeah, it doesn't help pumping, it. but but no, for certain, yeah. uh, last winter, I was doing a lot of toe foiling and I tested my 4.2, which is built super light, back to back with this guy's toe foil board, which is 4.6 and built a little bit heavier, still, still super light, but built heavier. And that 4.6 was so much better for towing. And I, it had to be because of the weight. It gives a little bit of shock absorption or energy absorption before input is needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's the same thing as like the V-tail or similar thing to V-tail versus straight tail where you're really riding something versus it reacting directly. It doesn't react as directly to your body inputs, but it's somehow I somehow prefer it. Well, if you think about it, if you had a really heavy board, it would be able to foil by itself a lot easier than an incredibly yeah, light yeah. board. If you just push a foil with nothing on top of it, it probably won't glide at all in the water. But if you had a 20 pound board, you could probably push it and it would glide. So whatever that amount of input is no longer needed by you, right? So Tria Custom Snow Shapes, efficiency break-even point of shimmed smaller stab versus shimmed bigger stab. So uh, the shim on a smaller stab to get the same lift as less shim on a bigger stab, I guess is the it, question. Yes. It depends on your speed, your the speed you want to go. Um, less shim on a bigger stab is better at low speed. More shim on a smaller stab is better at high speed. Um, low speed, you want the wingspan of a bigger stab. That will help the drive through your pumps. That'll help your stall speed, your, your low end. And yeah. Longer fuse, shorter stab, more angle at high speed is great because you have less friction. That's where friction matters more. So, Johnny Silves writes, and I think this is a typo. I think this is an autocorrect. How to teach etiquette to new toilets. I think he means foilers. Foilers. Regarding two Um, ones, et cetera. Like, what is the rule of thumb right now in Hawaii on double dipping? You just do it. Yeah, yeah, there's a rule. What is it? Um, There's no. What I love about foiling is no, there's no aggression in the water. You can totally double dip and there's just no rule. You just go and people will cheer you on. And it's part, you just have to be aware of other people. And if you're getting all the waves, you have to, you know, yell at them to go and avoid people. Or you have to limit yourself or go to another spot. But generally, if, if, if people are, are doing, you know, a lot of waves in a row, they'll tell other people to take off, you know, in front of them or behind them. So you can share a wave because there's plenty of room, you know, it's a beautiful thing about the sport is there's no scarcity. Yeah. So uh, you see it a lot of guardrails. Skyrama will be pumping around, pumping around, pumping around, and he'll go way outside and catch one. And, you know, he'll take waves or he'll take waves in the pocket, but he'll also take waves on the shoulder and, and let other people, you know, take the waves they want as well. Jens asks, is dihedral front wing going to stay in the game ahead? Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. It comes back to that, that whole flying foil out thing where it, it change and changes the link between yaw and roll, right? Between pivot and roll axis. And it's hard to explain the field difference, but yeah, dihedral. Sure. The main disadvantage of dihedral is it brings the wingtip a lot closer to the surface than an anhedral, and it's fine. I mean, you can breach the most foils with dihedral; can breach the tip 
perfectly well, but it does give you a shorter effective mass length when you're leaned over versus when you're straight up. And so that, that can come with some weird characteristics, especially on wider wingspan. In my experience, dihedral foils surf the best. When I chopped the yeah. Armstrong 1250 down to being a pure dihedral wing with you know no recurve down, it's, I mean, you lose a lot of efficiency, but the way that it rolls over, that yeah, they, they they roll over a lot better. Heavy anhedral wings, they feel like they get stuck in turn. And I still have to figure out exactly. I mean, I I know what, but like, I know what like what's going on with the wing, but the relationship to what's going on with the lifts you pass is kind of complicated. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll, I'll talk about it on the next podcast after I figure it out more. Well, but, just think about what an anhedral tail does. A super anhedral tail really yeah. locks you in. I would assume it's the same with the front wing. I know the feel of it. I don't know the physics behind it. Yeah. Just general feel is anhedral tends to keep you locked in turns. And dihedral will, you'll feel, it's a surfier feel. It's just a way surfier. The, the thing anhedral can do is make something more stable. So if you have a really small wing that with that, if it was flat or dihedral would be too unstable, some sweep and some anhedral can make can smooth that out. Josh Waitskin. Yeah. I sent him a message and said, see if he had any questions. He said, what are the best foilers in the sport asking you to solve right now? I don't know. Everybody wants to push the limits of what a wing can do. Everybody wants the best mix pumping and turning. They want the best foilers in the world want to push the limits of what they can do on a wave and put the wing in the lip out of the lip in really weird flow conditions fully ventilated turns, weird stuff. So I have some ideas for wings that can do that. And I'm excited to pursue those. You're going to share those ideas with us right now? No, not, not right now. Keep, keep that one a little longer. <laughs> but yeah, um, I found out some interesting things about, about hitting the lip on a foil that hopefully can help make it easier, make it more predictable. So, so I've spent a lot of time there in the last few months. Let's talk about that. What have you felt? What have I felt? We don't have what? to talk about the design of where that's yeah, yeah, of course. But let's talk about best practices for hitting the lip and and where it goes wrong, where it becomes controllable. I like that's been my deep dive over the last couple of months. So I'd love to get your thoughts on yeah. that. This is what I can flatter front length is all I can share about it. Flatter okay. think chops twelve fifty signature game changer that kind of thing seems to work really well in the lip and ventilated and board makes a massive difference as well you know having a board that will properly redirect you when you when you put it in the phone mm -hmm. is huge other than that i tend to like stiffness in a setup like I, i've tuned the best setup i've had for getting the lip has had a little bit more tail angle than i usually run and is stiffer. It's a very stiff foil setup, and for some reason, it just works. It works magic. But yeah, I I I agree on all those points. Uh, flatter wings for sure. Scooching the mass back a little bit as well. Oh, I disagree completely there. Really? Yeah, I think that what I was going to say is that I think that the secret is riding a board and a tuning to where you can put the mast as far forward as possible, okay. so that you can get easier release and have more leverage over the tail. Maybe we hit the lip differently, but yeah. 
like the way that I like to do it is to pop and slide. And I look at the mast like a fin. And if you think about a single fin, if you move it up in the box, it's going to be a lot looser than if you move it back in the box, easier to just push the tail around. I I actually start sliding the foil sideways before it exits the water. Um, I found the mast farther back makes it more predictable on re-entry. That could make sense. On re-entry though, I'm on the board. I completely stalk out. I I like nose pick kind of use the nose to guide myself back in and then pop up at the bottom. Yeah. I'm not on the board very long. So you're you're coming back up on foil pretty quickly. I'm hitting, I mean, my board hits the water, Uh but it hits the water and bounces back up. So that's also a power difference. You know, I'm tending to hit the lip on chest to shoulder high waves Uh as well. So you have, when you come down, you have a lot of speed and a lot of, it's hard to control. But yeah, I can see the leverage over the tail is big because you definitely, the trick to it is pushing with your back foot and popping the, committing to popping the foil out of, fully out of the water. Yep. And creating that stall. Slide on your board. Yeah. It's That's such a cool feeling. Now. Yeah. I was impressed. I saw Pedigo did one on the. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah. It's so hard to do it on that foil too. He yeah. sent them like, He's he the way that he's doing that is like he's almost like doing a top turn above the lip. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how how it feels. That's cool. Yeah, he's, I, was, uh, I was impressed by that. By that. His last video on the one twenty that he dropped yesterday, the day before, was the day that we were all out here. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, and you're liking the Kajira for that or the no. game changer. Armstrong, the Kajira hits for me the way that I do it. The Kajira is the yeah. hardest. That's the hole in this game. Like it, the yeah. position super far back. The yep. fuse is super long. It's really hard to get that to release. And when it does, sometimes it's not predictable for me. Okay. Um, I much prefer game chain twelve sixty or yeah. The, the stealth one seventy five is the best, and then the one twenty, the lift one twenty is actually really good for it too. Really, it's it's scary how quickly it releases though. Mm-hmm. You have to be really careful. Because you can taco either way on it. Um, yeah, that's what I felt when I wrote the one twenty. It's like if you, you you can it'll do it really well, but you just can't get it wrong. Right, exactly. And if you're going really fast, that wingspan can leverage you, leverage your board so fast. Yep. But yeah, I agree. Game changer. I rode the nine hundred, and it's that 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 foil is pretty incredible in the lip. It's insane. The, the, whatever they figured out with that setup, you can just surf it. You need a lot of energy yeah. for those wings, though. What tail are you riding? What what tail setup? Because I, I when I wrote it, I ended up with the the same tuning that Adam Bennett's is riding with eleven five blunt and like minus one one degree or one point five degree shim, like for lots more lift. Yeah, I do the same thing. I like. A custom tail I made on it. I like your 13 on it with about the same tune. Yeah. And then the uni race cut I like on it. Yeah. All, all with about the same tuning on it. The, the yeah, I agree. slim is what I've been riding on it a lot lately. Oh, you're going to be stoked. Yeah, I- like in an hour. <laughs> same with anybody else who has been waiting. I, I just, I'm picking up a bunch more tails right after this. So. Well, let's get off this podcast. So you can send me my tail. Yeah. We'll do a couple more and then I'm going to go for okay. it. It's looking all time out back right now. Dude, I need to get out there and do those with you guys. I can't wait. Yep. I cannot wait. I know. Anything else that you've been thinking about that you've been geeking out on that would be fun to share? I want to make a, a solid wing sale. Like 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 CNC one out of foam. 
you know, and make a, how would you put like one layer, one layer of glass on it? So it's super light, but one of the biggest limitations in, in, in really put, pushing the limit winging is the efficiency of the, of the sail because it needs such a big leading edge bladder to get stiffness and the sail material changes shape so easily. You could get, you could go so fast on a solid wing. It would be ridiculous and it would be completely impractical. And I don't think it should ever be produced because I mean, I can't imagine trying to transport thing in one layer of glass over a big piece of foam that's shaped like a wing. It wants to fly out of the back of the car and you'd have to like fold it in half. Yeah. It'd be a huge pain. And it would, yeah. And I, I, you would never want to race on it either because then it would make, you know, it, it would make it to- so unfair that every, that suddenly everybody to be competitive would, would need to be on one. And yeah, no, it should never be pursued, but it would be really fun to try. Do you do it with like carbon struts to where you don't have the leading edge? You just have, you know, like a carbon U or what, what you know, form that then you, you can put high tensile strength or high, you know, tension on the kite portion, the tart portion, whatever you call it. You could do that actually. You could do that, but I think it'd be, I don't know. It'd be just as much fun to make a solid one (laughs) out of EPS or XPS and throw some handles on it, send it. Look at, look at the design of like plank gliders, RC plane plank gliders. That's pretty much what it would be. You should do a GoFundMe to do that. I don't think it would be that expensive. I mean, it would cost, you'd have the cost of the EPS and a little bit of glass and a lot of design time, but it wouldn't even be that expensive uh, until you damage it. But yeah, that's, I've been itching to make one of those and down on boards as usual. I'm going to leave you with a, a super softball right here because mm-hmm. actually the foil world is excited. And that is when are you going to produce your wings in carbon in production? So we can all feel them. No call. No call. No, I actually have some through Reedon foils right now. I designed a line of wings for them that I'm pretty stoked on. They don't, there's no high aspects right now, but there are a lot of, especially the 1480 I just did are really sick for winging for most riders. Like I put someone who was on, you know, a high aspect, like an X 980 or 999 or Ono foil 150, which is actually surprisingly fast foil. And on the 1480 and they were super happy with it. So it's, it's surprising how fast that foil is. I also made a 980, which as soon as I get the new masts in is going to pretty much be my go-to surf foil. The thing is pretty incredible. It's 80 centimeter wingspan. So it's, so it's like Takuma 980 wingspan and, and similar area, but yeah, I'm pretty stoked on those. I like those numbers. Yeah. So yeah, go check those out. I think they're being launched fairly soon. I have the, they, they do have a 1280 and an 1880, but I would wait for the new ones. The old ones are, are older designs. They're, they turn really good. And they're very predictable riding. The new ones are on, are on another level though. What do you want to hit us with for last, last thoughts, Kane? Ooh, I've been trying really hard to optimize foils for fun. You know, you can push performance as high as you want, but really foiling is all about having fun and finding gear that helps you have the most fun possible. Any advice for people winging and wanting to get better is 
swap setups with anybody around you. You know, try as much gear as you can. For me, trying other people's gear has led to a lot of breakthroughs in my riding and a lot of breakthroughs in my understanding of foils and design. And yeah, you, you just get the more variety you've tried, the more you understand what foils can feel like, the better you'll get at tuning your own setup and recognizing what your foil is doing. So yeah, that's my advice. Kane, thanks for coming on, man. I um, always look forward to and appreciate these conversations and I learned so much and have to think about them for like the next five days. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of technical jargon going on in there. So thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. This is the Progression Project Podcast. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson.